Grab your Bibles, if you will, and open them to the book of James. Uh, that's harder to find. It's in the back of the New Testament, um, right after Hebrews. So see if you can find that. And we're just going to read two quick verses out of chapter 1. James chapter 1. Two verses. 19 and 20. Hear now that which is inspired, inerrant, infallible. The very mind of God is black words on white pages. He says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, that endures forever. A couple of years ago, I, I hit upon an idea, and, uh, and it was an original idea, and uh, since I have so few of those original ideas, I like for you to know every time I have one. So I, I had one. This was an original idea, and the, the idea was this. That um, I would take the Sundays between Mother's Day and Father's Day and use them uh, to speak about family-related matters, family-related issues, marriage and parenting, things like that. I, I found, of course, and I guess you have noticed, that I end up talking more about marriage than I do about parenting for, for several reasons, I guess, um, the first reason is that I, I, it seems to me that the Bible has more to say about marriage than it does parenting. At least it, uh, I, in my study, that's what I've come to. Um, I guess the other reason that I speak more about marriage is because um, parenting is just so dang hard and complex, isn't it? Um, I mean, I, you know, I don't have a whole lot of trophies to point to as the father of the year, you know, and, and I would hate to mislead you when it comes to parenting. Um, I, I guess about the best I have for you is <laughs> do the best you can. You know? <laughs> I'm with you <laughs> because it's not easy and I, I know it's not easy and those of you with small children and, and, and are enjoying, you know, just those sweet little years, have a great time. Um, because, uh, you know, they'll be, they'll be in junior high soon. Um, and and it just, it's just hard. So, again, um, I just find myself gravitating towards marriage more so than, than parenting. Um, so I'm going to do it again. Uh, I've done it a couple of straight years, and I don't know how long I can do this, but... Uh, I'm going to do it again this year, Lord willing. But we, I faced a little bit of a problem this year because um, between today, Mother's Day, and Father's Day, um, because next Sunday is the Lord's Supper, and you know how we interrupt everything, set everything aside for the Lord's Supper. And then there's, um, there's a week's vacation that we have, and then there's uh, the senior high retreat, and then another communion. And, and uh, as a result, there were really only two Sundays that I could dedicate to, um, to family themes. So what I'm, I say all of this to tell you that we're going to go 
this year, we're going to go a little bit beyond um, Father's Day, if that's okay. Uh, just, I don't know how long, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe two, maybe three, whatever. But um, we still, it still seems important to, um, to emphasize the family and um, the issues that surround it. So here we go. Back in March um, of this year, Susie had left me again um, to go to D.C. to see our kids. We have a daughter that lives in D.C., and she, we have three grandchildren up there, and so she had gone to pay them a visit. And, and so I was on my own, which is always a pitiful sight. Um, but it was, um, I, I think it was a Friday night, because I don't get out much on Saturday nights. I think it was a Friday night. I had... I had walked from my house, which is right over here. Many of you have been in my home, but it's right over here. And I had walked up here to the TCBY, just right across the street, that little yogurt place over there. And I was just going to treat myself. I was kind of pitiful and lonely and, you know, just uh, wanting a dessert. So I, I walked up there. It was a pretty night. And when I was there, I, I ran into a woman that, that I knew. Uh, she doesn't go to this church. Um, she's married. She has... Um, she has teenage children, I think three. But I, I noticed how much weight she had lost. And um, so I commented about how thin she was and how we needed to fatten her up a little bit. And, um, and uh, <laughs> before that conversation had ended, she had told me things that I didn't want to know. Um, the primary thing being how bad her marriage was. And she, what was she, what she was doing is she was blaming her marriage, her bad marriage, um, for her weight loss. And you know, I always, ha 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 ha, well, you know, I don't want to lose weight that way, you know, and I was just, whoa, just really pretty much Lord, at everything that came gushing out of this young woman's, well, she would I mean, this woman's mouth standing there in the yogurt store. Um, she said a whole lot. She told me a whole lot. But the thing that caused her to cry and almost made me cry is that as we stood there uh, in public, um, she kind of concluded her, well, actually, she didn't conclude it, but this was kind of the punchline, at least it was for me. She, she looked at me with tears just streaming down both cheeks and said, He's so mean. Did you hear that? I don't want you to miss that. She said, He's so mean. I was ordering yogurt, standing right next to an abused woman. Now, I, I'm not saying that I think she had been hit. Um, I, I didn't see, nor did I hear any evidence of that. But um, she was bruised, all right. Her, her bruises weren't on her arms or on her face, but um, her bruises were far deeper than that. 
they reach down, down to her spirit or soul, however you like to say that. She didn't have any black eyes. But she did have a very, very dark outlook on her marriage. Now, folks, who knows? I mean, she might have been an absolute witch to live with. I, I, I don't know. Um, that part we didn't discuss. But, um, but I, I can tell you this much, that most of the, the unhealthy, dysfunctional marriages that end up in my office um, Maybe they won't use the same words, but they could tell a similar story. They might not use the word she used, but the point would be the same. He's so mean. Marriages that died years ago because a husband was an angry man. Guys, I'm, I, that's not to say that there's no such thing as an angry woman. Um, I'm sure there are. But marital anger is not evenly distributed between the, the genders. Um, yes, there are angry women and there are battered men. I, I have spoken to a few of those over the years, but... But because of the strength differential between a man and a woman, and because in, in many places today, in many cultures still today, women are considered nothing more than property, um, it's the angry man that is most often the concern that in my office. It's, it's, it's normally an angry man that sits across from my desk. Male anger seems to be to be more obvious, more dangerous, and far more frequent. What I see in the women is not anger, but I see disillusionment, hopelessness, vacuous, almost glassy eyes. In a word, they're battered. By an angry man who is so mean. Gang, I'm not trying to whitewash women as if to say they, they do not have any blame in, in marital demise. But this much I can say confidently. Their, um, their misbehaviors as a wife is not the cause of a husband's anger. Oh, you may think they are, but they're not. What I want to talk about um, for a few weeks is anger <laughs> and how it destroys homes and families. And, and hopefully, by the time we're done uh, today and, and in the coming weeks, that I, I can offer a few suggestions that, that might help. But I'm not going to discuss just anger in husbands. I also want to, I want to talk about anger in kids, anger in teenagers. We'll talk about that later. But the, the unifying theme is, 
is really anger. Now, not being a psychologist, nor the son of one, um, my analysis might be uh, oversimplified. But for most of us, simpler is usually better. So, um, maybe it's too simple what I have to say, but I hope it's, uh, it's going to be helpful for you nonetheless. Let's start with the source. Let's start with the origin uh, of, of anger. And I want to suggest to you that the... And, and, and by the way, you don't have to be married for this to benefit you. I, I hope that there's something for the angry anybody. But let's talk first about the source of anger. And I want to suggest to you um, that the source of anger is what I call blocked goals. Now, let me, let me illustrate what I, what I mean. Let's imagine that you're driving to a lunch appointment, and, um, and you're kind of eager to get there for lots of reasons, and um, you, you find yourself on a two-lane, windy road, and you come up behind a senior citizen. A woman who is on the phone and she is poking along, driving ever so slowly and, you know, you're kind of, you can't get around her and, and, and up there is a stoplight. And the stoplight is green. And if she'll go on, you can get under that thing. And all she's got to do is keep going. But of course, it turns yellow. And she can still make it, but because she's on the phone... She slows down and stops with you behind her. Now, what do you feel for her right now? Well, I'm a bit ticked. Uh, I'm a bit uh, irritated. I'm, um, uh, you know, I'm aggravated. Okay. Well, add to that scenario this little piece. Let's imagine, same scenario, same loyalty, same stoplight, same two-lane road, and um, it, you're late for this business appointment. I mean, and it's a big one. I mean, it's with your boss or your, or, uh, your client or uh, uh, it's a sale or something, but it's a big one. And, and, and you're late and she's poking along and all of a sudden she stops. Now what do you feel for her? Well, I'm, I'm angry. Why? Well, I mean, because, I mean, she cost me, uh, uh four, maybe five minutes. Uh, she got in my way. She, um, she blocked her goals. The, the point is, guys, blocked goals cause anger, and the more important the goal, the more the anger. 
Now, I guess somebody that is far smarter than I could, could take you, could take you much deeper into the human psyche and, and discover the, the brokenness in us that is the real underlying cause of our anger. But at least I think you'll agree that the trigger is blocked goals. So imagine that you got married and you, um, down deep, you believe that this woman that you married was the ticket to your happiness. A lifelong bliss. And, and you had mentally pictured what, what your, your life was gonna look like with her at your side. And boy, it was really looking good. And then, about six months after the wedding, she, instead of being your ticket to happiness, has become the obstacle to your happiness. Now what? Goals locked. Anger rise. Anger rises. And I get mean. And my meanness can show up in a hundred different ways. But the one that I see the most frequently, at least in my limited exposure, is a hypercritical spirit where she can't do anything right. Everything about her is wrong now. And we pick and pick and pick. Now, how does that anger work? How does it flesh itself out in our hearts and our lives? And at this point, I'm really... I was really helped by a guy by the name of Winston Smith. But um, what happens is anger seduces us. And it seduces us in, in many ways, but it, but it always has two primary ingredients to the seduction. First of all, there's this feeling that something important is being threatened. My happiness. <laughs> The, the other ingredient is, is this feeling that I'm losing control over the thing that means so much to me. You know, um, I, I won't be able to realize my goal. I mean, my, I, I'm, uh, I'm um, uh, losing control. And you know how we all love to control. And so in response to those two things, my anger promises me um, uh, some kind of control over this threat. It, it makes me believe that I can do something about it. It, it makes me feel powerful and can control, at least for a brief moment or brief period of time. It, it works on me like all other idols works on me. It, it tells me things that are not true. It, and it feels good. This, this outburst. At least for a few minutes, um, at least for those few minutes, my concerns move on to center stage. Gang, have you ever fought with your spouse in public? Or have you ever watched a couple fight in public? <laughs> it's entertainment at its best. Um, but you, you watch as the one who's not angry, trying to do anything, everything, whatever they can think of to defuse this, this situation. That's what I mean by seduction. You see, 
because this angry party can can feel a bit of a triumph, at least for these this this short term. Now, of course, they've done long term damage, but for right now, uh, anger is effective. It you know it it has some perks to it. It um, people respond to it because everything stops because we're trying to. Avoid this ugliness. But we end up deceived. The outburst uh, didn't help anything. No, no. In reality, the, the anger is nothing but a, a cover-up for more important issues that need to be addressed in my marriage. So the option of getting help is bypassed while I choose the option of anger. And I guess the next thing I do in response to my tendencies is that I begin to cover it up through some kind of escape, uh, drinking, shopping, fantasy, because I think I deserve it, because I'm so misunderstood. And then... Eventually, my shame shows up in my own depression or fear or just a nothing more than a big old marital mess. And, and for the person who is not the angry one, it feels like rejection. I, I become the enemy. There is always this or else ultimatum that's either stated or implied. And so our, our marital environment becomes toxic. One where honesty is dangerous, so we, we avoid issues, we avoid conversations, we avoid each other. And I die to my spouse. My marriage, my marriage exists, but in name only. And the receiver of all this anger is more often than not a woman, a wife, who ends up spilling her guts to a, to a slightly overweight preacher that she knows and crying the whole time she's ordering her yogurt and telling him, What can we do? I have six things that I want to mention to you that I hope will be, some of it will be helpful somewhere in these six things. You'll find some help. Um, and um, maybe, maybe there's not a marriage in this room that needs this kind of advice. Boy, that would be great. But I don't think that's true, and you don't either. But six quick things. Let me mention these, and I'm done. First of all, our first stop is at our text. James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Really, there's some good news in this, in this verse, particularly verse 20. And the good news is simple, but it's something that you need to start with. Because it says, in essence, you can stop trying to use an option that will not work. You can stop trying to do something that doesn't work. It says, the anger of man does not produce. It does not produce the righteousness that, that is required. It, it, it won't work. What you really want, 
will never be had. You, you cannot get what you want while you're on this path. So, by way of implication, get off of it, that path. Stop it. It's not going to work. It's not going to change anything. It's not going to succeed. It's not going to produce what you want. So give it up. The anger of man does not produce anything good. It only produces the negative. So that's, that's a piece of good advice for, you, for us, guys. The anger of man is not a solution. It's not, a, it's not a, an acceptable option for us. Okay? That's helpful. Now here's, here's another, here's number two, but you don't have to turn here, but um, this is something that the Proverbs says about uh, angry people. And you can just take down this text. It's in Proverbs 22. It says, in verse 24, it says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. Okay, um, if you're not supposed to be friends with an angry man, then for heaven's sakes, you certainly shouldn't marry one. Gang, I need to take this just a step further. Because I don't think anybody says, oh, there's an angry man, I'm going to marry him. <laughs> I don't think anybody does that. But here's what we do do. We marry somebody that we didn't know is an angry man. Yeah, we do that a lot. And how does that happen? Let me tell you how it happens, ladies and gentlemen. And here's the, step, the next step I want to take. I am convinced... That the reason that so many wives wake up early in their marriages to the surprise of being married to an angry man is directly traceable to the sexual sin that took place prior to the marriage. We thought we were getting this, and then we get married, and surprise, surprise, surprise. Guys, sexual sin is not only wicked, it's stupid. Ladies, you are giving a man an opportunity to take that anger and let it lie dormant the entire, your entire dating life with him. You know, guys, this is, this, I have no psychological grounds to say this, and I'm not that good of a counselor, but I'm telling you, I sit with couples in my office frequently, and it's almost a syndrome. I see this little girl who's so anxious to get married, and she's chipper, and she's bubbly, and she's happy, and she's excited, and yada, 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 and I see the guy sitting in the chair next to her, and he's sullen. He's there under duress. You have to drag the answers out of him. And I sit behind my desk and I say, <laughs> I know what's been going on here. And honey, you are in for a big surprise. Guys, um, you know, I think we fundies, we've made way too much over sexual sin. You know, as if, man, if you don't do that, then you're righteous. Uh, you know, it is, it is wicked, and I don't want to try to minimize that in the slightest. But I'm telling you, the thing that concerns me the most is not how wicked it is, but how stupid. And all these decisions get made that are bad decisions because the whole thing 
is not real because of the introduction of sexual sin. So you want to avoid marrying an angry man? i got one piece of advice for you. Avoid sexual sin. Here's number three. Guys, um, this comes right out of Psalm 32, but you, you need to, you know, I know it's embarrassing. I call this, this, this sermon the family secret. I know it's embarrassing. Who wants to say, you know, I'm living with an angry man, I'm being battered. Who wants to admit all that? Uh, and if you're the angry party, who wants to admit that I'm consumed with my own anger? Who wants to admit that? But I'm telling you, it's time to fess up. It's time to come clean. Listen to this. This is in Psalm 32, verse 3. David says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. That's what happens. You take your sin and you put it under some kind of blanket and let nobody see it and your bones waste away. And then this is two verses later. He says, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Guys, if you want a good biblical word for it, then it's time to repent. But it's, it's silence is no longer an option. You gotta get this anger thing out on the table. It's, it's gotta, it's gotta be dragged out into the open and I'm here to tell you folks, she is not the problem. I am. Oh, she may be difficult to live with, but that won't explain the rage that exists inside me. Sorry. Number four, change your goals. Guys, you have got to learn the difference between a goal and a desire. She is not your ticket to happiness, and she never was. That's a bad, that's a wrong goal. Things that are legitimate desires make terrible goals. You want a happy marriage with her? That's a great desire. But you can never allow yourself to have as a goal something that you yourself cannot control. If you yourself cannot control it, it cannot become a goal. Let me give you an example of a legitimate goal. Here's a legitimate goal, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. In the face of her repeated provocations, I will respond as God would have me to. Now, there's a goal for you. But she is not my route to happiness. Righteousness is. It always has been. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You've got wrong goals. Change them. Number five. My dear friend, beg. Beg God. The solution has nothing to do with your willpower. 
The solution requires a work at the soul level. Ask God to do that. To focus on externals. My external behavior is never enough. It will never be enough. Uh, Counting to ten is not going to work. In fact, there's there's a Christian version of that. We tell people to go out and memorize verses and to quote those verses every time they're angry. That is not going to work. Because anger is a heart issue. Not hard, heart. It's a heart. H-E-A-R-T. It's a heart issue. And only God can change hearts. But it is his specialty. We're not after new skills. We're after a new heart. So don't stop begging until your marital ship has been righted. Finally, you know, folks, um, the only husband that ought to be angry with his bride is not. Instead, he loved her and gave himself up for her. The bride of Christ, she deserves anger. But what she got is mercy and grace and love. The more you take that message and press it into the base of your soul, the more change takes place. That I know who he is and what he's done for me. Get that deep in your soul. And there's hope. Counting to ten will never help you. Let's pray. Our Father, I do pray that you'll use some of this to uh, address whatever issues that might exist in marriages at Gracie Van and and perhaps even friends of folks in Gracie Van. But, Lord, um, we're harming each other because we have lost sight of the simple instructions of the Scriptures, thinking that anger will help us when it won't, and thinking that some kind of anger management course will change things. Oh God, forgive us for our foolishness and for believing things that come straight from the pit of hell. And we pray that you will direct us, instruct us, encourage us, and bring about some widespread marital healing, all for the sake of the one we love so, whose name is Jesus. We pray also in his name.